Hello, and welcome to the Out of Control Women podcast, where we navigate the hills and valleys of female leadership and entrepreneurship. Here is the founder of Out of Control Media, your host, Marty Jackson. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for being here today. I am so excited to spend some time with you. On this episode, we have a very special guest that I can't wait for you to meet. But before I introduce her, I want to share a couple of things with you. Back in January, uh, January the 16th to be exact, we launched our Out of Control Women podcast at The Root in New Albany, Indiana. That episode and one other episodes are currently being redone so that we can bring those to you. So if you're looking for those, they will be back. The next piece of information we want to share with you is mark your calendars for Monday, May the 4th, May the 4th be with you. We will be relaunching outofcontrolwomen.com. We want you to be able to meet us, get to know us better, and how we can partner and help you. We want you to be able to meet our partners and some of the incredible things that women are doing around the world. All right, let's get ready for this episode. Christy Cameron is a vintage-inspired storyteller writing both award-winning historical fiction including her best-selling debut, The Butterfly and the Violin, and Bible Studies, which include verse mapping. Oh, the verse mapping series is amazing. Christy is an author, a speaker, a women's ministry leader, and she has over 15 years experience in education and leadership development. She's worked with Fortune 100 companies like the Disney Institute and Gallup. She lives not too far from me in Southern Indiana, and she is just an incredible joy to get to know. If you are a writer or a creative, or maybe you've been thinking about those things, you do not want to miss this episode. Anytime you have the opportunity to listen to Christy, you can't help but walk away feeling invigorated and creative again. So let's get to our interview with Christy Cameron. Hello. We made it! We made it! Yay! How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing very well. Um, I have to tell you, uh, we had some technical difficulties over here, uh, getting everything set up in the treehouse, but I am so glad. Oh, gosh, no, that's okay. I'm just so glad that we could make it today. Yeah, Uh, me too. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. You know, what I realized is that we are less than 20 miles apart right now. Uh, but it feels like we might be like a world away from one another. I know. I just just did a video. I know I texted you and said, I just well, I just filmed a video real fast because I was sitting here and I was ready to go. But I, I even said in the video, I have been in isolation since December. You knew that because I was yes. working on a novel. Yes. And I literally was like, and we can talk about this when we're recording if you want. But yeah, I yeah. Like, okay, my book is due mid-March. And I'm going to turn it in. And the next day I'm going to get out in the world. And the next day the world shut down. And I, so I, was, I looked at the window. I was like, am I, am I pasty? Like, like I have been like living in a cave for months. I haven't seen anybody. I saw two people, um, two gal friends from church and that's it. And that's it. Anybody since oh my goodness. Christmas. Oh my goodness. And so here you are, you're like, I'll be disciplined. I'll be focused. I'll be on right on yes. it. And then the world goes, we're going to shut down. Now we're going to shut down. And now, and I was like, but wait, no, no, wait, I'm ready. But I'm ready. I'm ready to go out and experience you until my edits come. And now my edits came back and I was like, well, that's okay. Because we're all quarantined anyway. So that's okay. I'll I'll work on it. Are you thinking about, 
And uh, you know what? We'll we'll just jump right in because are you thinking about another book or will you focus now on the editing part of of what you just completed? Which, by the way, is a big thing. So congratulations on getting it done. Novel number eight. I can't even believe it. (laughs) But yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this one, and I. Just um, for for those who might be uh, might be listening and not familiar with my books, I just this is a novel I've always wanted to write. Like it's it's super girly, and I have an art history research writing degree, so it's all Paris, it's all fashion and Chanel and fine art, and I just like my heart was just kept rolling over itself. And it's you know it's got faith in it, it's got the Lord, it's got history. I just so it's just kind of like over and over everything that I love, and I just saw the cover and. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but it's my favorite cover. Like, I think it's my favorite. And I've loved all of my covers. I can't say much beyond that, but I will get to share um, with everyone um, who's listening. I'll get to share with everyone the summer of 2020. So... And see, I'm excited about it because <laughs> the, the, the cover of the butterfly and the violin, oh, and the violin and the painted castle are gorgeous. I mean, they're gorgeous. Yes. So if this is your favorite, this has got to be something special. I think it, I think it is. I have always wanted to have this cover. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> I've always wanted to have this cover and, uh, but I love the team at HarperCollins. They're so good and they oh. always bring ideas and most of the time in this book too, most of the time they bring a bunch of ideas and say, okay, what do you think? And it's always a collaboration. It's always a team. And now they're the ones with the supreme talent, you know, with like design and all that. But yeah, but I love the process. So we are in edits right now. Um, I will say that this novel, um, it touched a different place in my heart. It really mm-hmm. did. Um, I told my editor last fall, I said, I'm, I'm really going to try super hard. I hope I've learned over the last years, but I'm going to give you the best novel that I've ever given you. And I was a little scared that I even said that out loud, but um, I just really worked for this one and dug, I had to dig deep for this novel. And it became so much more than I thought. Um, you know, I told you I started with yeah. French fashion and Chanel and, you know, how, how does faith work into World War II? And then it became the story of two women who were living the same war in the same city in a very different way and how they both fought with the resistance, didn't expect to. And it's a bookend. It's a bookend story. So the novel is from 1940 to 1944. And it tells the four years of occup- Nazi occupation from occupation to liberation. And it tells their survival story. Um, so I love it. I, I can't wait for this novel. And, and with, wait. <laughs> when will we be able to get it? Tell us. Uh, it will be out right around Valentine's Day. So February 16th of 2021. So we have oh, to wait. A we have bit, to wait. But, we have to wait. I'm super excited. And I have something else coming out before that. Um, oh, what so is that? Get, um, those are verse mapping Bibles. Yes. So I know we're going to talk about verse mapping. We are going to talk about verse I'm mapping. super excited I, for that. So. I am. So here's what I want to do. Take us back how did you know? Because I know that you have walked through these pro- projects and you've shared with me a little bit of your story, but can you tell us a little bit, like, how did you know you wanted to be a writer? How did oh. you, ha- tell us, take us back to the beginning, because <laughs> then I want to get to some of these exciting things that are coming up. Okay. So I trust you and you are awesome <laughs> editing skills because I can be a bit of a talker. And so you may have to write no. this one down, girl. <laughs> no, because here's the thing. We, we, we know that we have women that are really maybe writing for the first time right now because distractions right, yeah. are taken away. And so I think to have somebody who's passionate and, and I wanted it to feel like I'm just sitting down and we're having a cup of coffee and, and having a conversation. Yeah. So I say, talk away. <laughs> All right. So, so for what you just said, my heart is bursting a so little good. bit because I have had that exact thought 
Lord, I wonder how many novels you are going to bring out of this time. I wonder how many men and women, but I wonder how many women they're finally going to say, you know what, this thing has been on my heart and I'm going to jump. Today's the day I'm going to, I wonder how much of that is going on right now. Cause when we're talking at the Mm -hmm. time of this recording, we're in the middle of it. We're in the thick of it. We are in quarantine. And I've, I've wondered, Lord, you're going to take this and you're going to bring good out of it. Mm -hmm. What are some of those novels? What are some of those nonfiction books? What are some of those memoirs and journals? What are some of those things that women are going to start to put pen to paper and they're really going to step into their calling? So you just kind of pressed your thumb on my heart. Good, good, good. So so I will start with, since you asked my story, when Mm -hmm. I was five years old, I wanted to be a Disney animator. So I've loved stories since I was a kid. Um, My mama will tell you five, six, seven, eight years old. I wanted to be a Disney animator. But the big joke is, you know, she would take my sister and I to the library every week. And my mm-hmm. sister would, she's a big reader. She's a teacher. She's a big reader in the family. She would read all the novels. And I would go the other way. I would go to the art section. And I remember being a kid and pulling these huge art history books and Disney animation books down from the shelves. And I would sit on the floor and I would just thumb through these visual stories, visual storytelling, um, just compelled by it. But the problem was I have these hands and, and, we're on audio. So you can't see me lifting my hands up, but I'm lifting my hands up and I'm saying, I have these hands like, Lord, I can see art in my head, but my hands, I can't paint. I can't draw. I can't sculpt pretty much stuck. And I was a kid of the eighties. Were you, were you a kid? Yes. yes okay. Yes, all right. All right. Yes, we, yes. we should have another coffee date where we talk about this. We need to. All about I think we should. I think we I should. A podcast, I got to tell you, podcasts are my favorite thing. So just the fact that we get to sit here and talk about this, I'm like, yay. Um, but, but yeah, so I got these hands that I couldn't do all that. And in the eighties, we did not have computer aided design. So I was pretty much stuck. So I was like, okay, what do I do? By the time I got to college, I'm 17 years old. I walk in my first art history class, always loved art. At this point, um, was saved and baptized, loved Jesus, met Jesus at 16, got baptized at 17. So I walk into my first art history class. And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit didn't know it was him at the time. But Holy Spirit whispered, you're home. This is where, this is where you need to be. Oh, and it was the craziest yeah. thing because I was a 17-year-old freshman, didn't know what I was doing. And I walked into like this upper level art history, like something crazy like Japanese art or, you know, something really difficult to grasp. Yeah. I walked into it as a freshman, um, yeah. fell in love with visual storytelling and had no idea that these hands that couldn't paint that I'm holding up again, (laughs) that the Lord was going to have me paint with words. Being an author, Marty, it was never on my radar. It was not on my radar. It was just, yeah, it was never on my radar. I I didn't read a lot of novels when I was young. I I read, (laughs) I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm going (laughs) to out myself. I read joke books. I read joke books and I read like Garfield and I read Calvin and Hobbes, visual stories. Right. And I love I love Disney animation books. And so just how the Lord then used that, um, one of the concepts that really, really spoke to my heart in those art history classes was the art of the Holocaust, was the art of Auschwitz. Mm. And that I did the work, I did um, an independent study and I did the research about that, the Jewish people and what they went through Mm. and how these artists were compelled to create. I I don't want to compare it to what we're going through now because it was the Holocaust, but But to say in extreme circumstances, when you are just called by God to create, that you would risk anything to do it. And that's what these artists did mm. inside the camps. I, I was so moved. And I thought at a dark place like that in history, I know God was there and I want to show that he was there. And so that's where The Butterfly and the Violin, my debut novel came from. Yeah. But it would be 10 years later 
out of the blue, by the time I graduated, I was a non-traditional adult student. So my husband and I, we married young and we paid my way through college. It took me 13 years. I'm very proud of that. 13 years to get my degree. Good. And, and the plan, the plan was to go to graduate school and then go get a doctorate and be an art history professor. That was the road. That was the plan until God said, I want you to go for publication. I knew nothing. I knew no one. I knew nothing about writing fiction. I knew nothing about the industry. And it, this was in 2011, spring of 2011. And the Lord was like, I want you to write and I want you to write for me and I want you to go for publication. And that's when it all started. That's when it all started. Oh my God. But I had it on my heart before that, which is interesting because I can talk to people and I'll see them, you know, you kind of have a break for years and you come back, Hey, how are you doing? And people would say, Hey, did you ever do anything with that author thing? Well, now they know I did, but, but they would say, you always said you wanted to be an author. And the first thing, like I would like face palm and then I'd be like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I probably really (laughs) bugged everybody with the words called me to write. Um, but that's how it started. Oh, was there any, was there ever a time in there where you, you were disappointed? Maybe were you disappointed when, when that time came or by that time, were you just so passionate <coughs> about the written word? Sorry. No, that's Sorry okay. About the cough. I that's took okay. A water. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I would say, especially if you have listeners, if you mm. have women who are listening, you know, I, I want to speak to you right now. If you are an aspiring author and even more than author, I try to be really careful about attaching my calling to a job role. That was advice that a friend gave me years ago. And it was, it was very sound advice. And so I try to remember that what I am doing, my calling and my purpose, I know for sure from the Holy spirit is to be in a space where art and faith and history come together, where those things happen is where he has asked me to serve him. Now, I have served him as a women's ministry leader in that space. Mm-hmm. I have served him as a fiction author, as a speaker, um, as a nonfiction author, and now as a Bible's editor. They're all still in that space. But I try to be really careful about the job role because you mentioned disappointments. Disappointments, especially for those of you who feel, okay, I feel called to share myself with the world, when we do that, there's always the chance and the high likelihood of rejection. There's always the chance and the high likelihood of critique. And so you're gonna have this this rolling disappointment, discouragement, and then lift up again, and then disappointment, discouragement, and lift up again. And it's almost this balance that you have to hit with the Lord. And I haven't always done it right. I mean, there there have been great discouragements. One-star reviews, girl, let me tell you, there are some one-star reviews out there. Poor Jane Austen and Shakespeare and, and, and Harper Lee, they have one star reviews too. And they don't even know what folks are saying about them. <laughs> they don't even know. But there are disappointments. Yeah, there, yeah. there are rejections when you share your work with someone. And then there, there are cheerleading moments when someone says, yes, you get that yes from an agent or you get that yes from a publisher. Those are huge moments. And so they, it's very much like life, Marty. It's very mm-hmm. much like life where you have the disappointments. I think the focus is, and what I always tell people is to stick close to Jesus throughout mm. this process and to write what you know he's telling you to write. Stick to your guns and to write what the Lord is telling you to write and stick close to him. Mm. No, I love that. I I think one of the things that we had talked about um, or that I had sent to you was women are often intrigued about not only like how do you move through disappointment, but 
but how do you write? So coming off of one of those experiences, Christy, how did you continue to write? And what are maybe some of the ways you write? For, I, I, I don't quite understand this because I'm not a writer myself, but people are very intrigued with where do you write? And do you go to a mountaintop? And do you seclude yourself? And do you, do you or do you write when your children are in the pool or I, I don't know why, but you're going to have to tell me why is there such a mystique <laughs> around where you write and how yeah, write? I don't, I don't know. So the funny thing, have you ever heard about the writer going away to a, a house, a log cabin in the, in the woods? In the woods. Yes. I've never met an author who's gone away in a cabin in the woods and I know a bunch of them. <laughs> I, I have yet to meet one who has done that. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, so I think we go to the space and we go to the writing method that works for us. So from the start, um, I'll, I'll tell you two things. From the start, I have what is called the literary sandwich. I don't know how else to say it. It okay. is, I always know the first scene in a book and the last scene in a book. That's the bread. I have no idea. I have no idea what the toppings are. I have no idea how we're gonna get from A to Z. And I write very sporadically. In fact, uh, the second thing I was gonna say, I wrote my first novel on my iPhone pretty much on my iPhone while oh, I was on, wow. while I was on maternity leave in my corporate career. So after college and during, you know, the time I was in college, I was a corporate trainer um, at a fortune 100 company for 15 years. And um, I had no time, you know, we had three kids and um, I had no time to do anything. So I was just writing whenever I could long elevator rides up the skyscraper. I was typing chapters on my phone. Um, I was jet setting. Uh, so I'm in airports and I guarantee you I was the only person in an airport when it said flight delayed. Woo! Because it meant that I could sit and I could write a couple chapters on my phone. Um, so when I went on maternity leave with our, our last son, um, I remember I called HR and I said, um, hey, hey y'all, am I allowed to write <laughs> while I'm on maternity leave? And they said, are you making any money at it? And I said, no, no, no. I'm I'm in the hole no, actually. No. And they said, well, it's a hobby. Then you can do whatever you want. And so I said, okay. So I had about eight weeks and I would stay up in the middle of the night and I would hold our son and just kind of hook him in my arm and feed him his bottle. And then I just typed chapters with my thumb on my phone and the chapters just kind of came out from that research. I told you I did. That's brilliant. Ago. So they do and not need a cabin in the woods. They need, no. they need a phone or, or something very simple. You need maternity leave. And uh, <laughs> so you need that. You need a good eight weeks. Hey, you need, you need about eight weeks confined to your house. Wonder where we could find that right oh, now. Oh, <laughs> I, I wonder where we could get started. Get started. Yes, lady. Go ahead and start your novel. Um, but I write very sporadically. So I don't write chapter one, two, three, four, all the way through. Um, I usually write the first scene, and then I write the last scene, then I might write chapter 12, then chapter 21. But my, but my fiction is very often split time. And mm -hmm. I'm very character centric, motivation centric, um, not as much focused on time. My style is what I write. And so it's easier for me to write a chapter and then figure out with the Lord where we're going to slip it in. Mm. Now, you do you write fiction you write nonfiction. you're you have this great project that's coming up that we want to talk about. But do you go back and forth? Do you do you vacillate between the two of them? Do you do you start here and they go, okay, well, the next thing I'm going to do is is nonfiction or or no? How does that come for you? Since because because I I have to tell you I haven't met a lot of writers that write in both. I have I have a couple of friends that do, but it's kind of unique. So I want to hear more yeah. about that from you. Yeah, the, the nonfiction for me really went back to my days as a corporate trainer because I wrote curriculum in corporate America. It was in healthcare, so it was mm -hmm. a little technical, it was a little different. But I wrote curriculum for fifteen years. 
And it was very similar. I think it was training ground. My mama told me, she was like, Christy, th this was training all those years for what the yes. Lord was going to ask you to do because it was large scale projects. It was a large scale training project, very similar to a Bible study or a nonfiction book. Interesting though, how the nonfiction came about. I did not seek it out. Um, I, I knew that the Lord was calling me to speak. I, I loved that, but I loved fiction. I was a novelist. I still am. That's part of my soul. It's part of who I am. But then also on top of that, I just started verse mapping. Am I allowed to say the name of your church, Marty? Am I? Yes, am I sure. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sure. So I started verse mapping at Northside Christian Church in New Albany, Indiana in 2014. When I walked away from my corporate career, I knew the Lord was calling me into ministry full-time. And uh, we always joke the next day I went into my closet, I took out all my suits and I gave it away to a donation center because we said, we're not going back. And then the day after that, I contacted Northside and said, I've never had time to join a women's Bible study. I'm in. That's the next thing that I want to do. And I joined Bible study because I didn't understand scripture. I wanted to, I started verse mapping then. So for me to switch back and forth between fiction and nonfiction, it wasn't something that I just naturally did. I didn't seek it out. It just mm -hmm. kind of happened. Nonfiction just kind of happened. But I will say balancing fiction and nonfiction has been interesting because that is what I did all of 2019. It went from, I was working a full-time role in as a women's ministry leader. So I had that. And then on top of that, we were finishing a novel and then I switched over and began editing the verse mapping Bibles. And then we switched over and I went back to editing another novel. And so it just, it was interesting how that happened. Um, I don't even, I look back and I'm kind of like, I don't even know how we did it. I don't even know how we made it through that year um, because it was just the switch back and forth. Well, tell us a little bit more about verse mapping and then that project that will be coming out with the verse mapping Bible, because I've seen this. I know this is something that we're going to be doing this summer, which we're really excited about. Um, but for those who are listening and you know that they have another window open and they're Googling it right now, they're like, what, yes. what is verse mapping? <laughs> but it's amazing. So tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, just to make it super simple, um, your listeners can go to versemapping.com. We, we will Perfect. help you get started, get linked, and get community. That's Great. what we always we'll, say. We'll drop everything in the links on here so everybody will be able to find your website, find Verse Mapping as well. So if, if they Great. keep playing it back and they're like, I don't know, we've, we've got you. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, versemapping.com. So there's a story alongside what I told you with the art in college and the corporate career and starting the novel, the novel work. Um, and that's the story of my dad. Actually, on the day that we found out that I got my first fiction contract, an hour later, I got a call from my dad and he said, this could be bad. I may have leukemia. And so then our family went on a five month journey of me editing my debut novel at the local cancer center in New Albany while my dad was undergoing his chemo infusions. Uh, after five months, we had a gentle goodbye for now. And so my dad is with the Lord, but I will tell you that my dad was saved and baptized at 60 years old, having no idea that just two short years later, he was going to go see Jesus face to face. We had no idea that that was going to happen. And so for those of you who are listening, you can't see what I'm holding right now, but Marty has seen this um, when we had coffee once. So she's seen this and I'm holding it. It's my dad's Bible. And what I love about this Bible, and I brought this Bible with me the first time I went to Bible study at Northside. And there are highlighter marks just all through this Bible. And what that is, is that's what the Lord did to my dad's heart in the last two years that he had on this earth. That Jesus got a hold of him. And he loved on this Bible. And I said the same thing. I prayed, Lord, I got my dad's Bible. So when he passed away, we had three Bibles, right? And so my mom gave one to my sister. 
and my mom had one from when they were dating in the late seventies. She had gifted it to him. You, you know what I'm talking about, Marty? It's that yes, burgundy, yes. burgundy Bible. It's got the burgundy. gold pages. It's got his name on, on it. Front. Makes a sound. So I was like an right? right? Yeah. So he's got that Bible, but it's it's in pristine condition. It wasn't really used very much. And then I have this Bible here and it was the Nelson study Bible. And my mom said, you know, which one do you want? I said, I want that one. Cause that's my publishing family. And so she gave me this Bible. I had no idea the treasure that was inside and it's uh. what Jesus did in his heart. And so the prayer that I had when I came to Bible study was I had what I think a lot of us have Marty, when we step into Bible study, I had a lot of fear. I got to tell you, I think there were around 300 women in there. Super nice. The women are as nice as can be, but I was scared out of my socks. You know, I, I just about turned around and ran out that room because I didn't know anyone. But I sat down, I came in. Another hurdle for me was I was a little embarrassed because there was a lot in the Bible that I felt like I didn't know. And I almost felt, I don't know, pride wall. I don't know what it was, but I didn't want to just be out there and be like, well, I have no idea what y'all are talking about. You know, right. I've been a Christian for a long time. I should know this stuff, right? Right. So, so I had this Bible and I prayed when I got my dad's Bible. I said, I want this to be well-traveled, but I don't mean speaking, you know, traveling, author book signs. I don't mean that. I mean, well-traveled in me. And I needed a way to do it. And one of my best friends, um, she said, have you heard of verse mapping? And I said, no, I, I haven't. What is that? Well, she worked with me in corporate America. So she knew the very structured way that my mind worked with curriculum design and all that. And she said, well, you know, why don't you give it a look? And so I Googled it. And verse mapping has been around for a really long mm -hmm. time. Um, it's the concept like Bible journaling. And when I Googled it, there were all these different ways to do it. There are spider maps, there are note cards, there's verse memorization. And, and I thought, okay, this is just too much. I, I need to find a way to do it that's going to work for me. And it's really funny because it's like you, you didn't really know that it was out there until technology and <laughs> social media. And all of a sudden you found out, oh, people have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Um, I spoke to a gentleman in our church um, just last year and he said, He's a lawyer, but he also went to seminary and he said, oh yeah, verse mapping. We were doing that more than 10 years ago when I was in seminary and I was like, really? <laughs> so, so it's been around, but my mind worked in structure. And so I said, okay, I want to dig into scripture verse by verse. I want to grab a verse. I want to understand the context. I want to dig deep into the, the Greek for the new Testament or the Hebrew for the old Testament. I want to understand the story. This is God's story, his story. It's history. I want to understand scripture. And so that's when I started verse mapping. And I'm, I'm going to show you, Marty, since we're on camera, I know your listeners can't see it, but this is the journal. This is when I started the, Beautiful. the I love it. I, from 2014, 2015 that I started at Northside. And I'm going to show this to you, but I'm going to say it to your listeners. Mm. Don't be afraid to start small. Um, I don't like a lot of rules. I wanted this to be super simple. So what I did was I just took curriculum design principles. When I was writing curriculum in corporate America, it's taking knowledge and helping people understand It's transfer of knowledge. I thought this Bible is my field manual for living. It should be my oxygen. I should be I utilizing that. it every day. And I wasn't. And so I thought, you know what curriculum, this is teaching curriculum, right? Mm -hmm. We have Bible studies. I'm going to find the structure in there. And there's five simple steps to verse mapping. It's select your verse. It is dig deep into the different translations. And then it's looking even deeper at the context. And then it's looking at the activity, the actions, what's happening, what's the story in that verse. And then lastly, it's the outcome. And it's looking at, okay, how do I apply this to my life? One, two, three, four, five, five easy steps. It's okay to start small. 
and it's serious study, but a study that is for everyone. That's what see, I loved about it. See, and I, and I do love that because I know that it's a great way for people who are going, I, I, I haven't opened my Bible. And yet I know that there are women that have gone through verse mapping the, even this past year who have followed Jesus for 50 years out of their yeah. life. They've been in the word, but it's great because it's as challenging as you want it to be especially yeah. being able to dig down. And I, I think that's kind of unique because not all Bible studies do that or, or not all processes, I guess I should say. So I love how that's broken down. Tell us a little bit about this Bible that's coming out. Now, this sounds exciting. Can you tell us about it? Wait, are you yes. allowed to tell us about it? Yes, I am. I'm allowed to. Okay, and again, um, again, for your listeners, Marty and I are on camera, so I'm going to show her this, but you can see it. If you I know. I'm so Facebook excited. Or, or you can go to versemapping.com, um, but they sent me one of the covers and I'm super oh. excited. So it's just like a flat cover, y'all, that actually it. has not been attached to a Bible yet. Um, but what I'm excited is this is an NIV version and we have an edition for adults and an edition for girls ages eight to 12. There are 350 maps throughout these Bibles, all 66 mm -hmm. books of the Bible. We have selected maps. And Marty, I gotta tell you, some of those highlighted verses that were in my dad's Bible are the ones that we targeted. I and love so it. By the time I got to the end of that writing project, I was in tears because I felt like my dad and I wrote the Bible or edited the Bible together eight years, eight years later. And, and he's been gone. He's been gone now almost seven years. And so just the fact that I have this Bible from my dad and we, we chose those verses. Here's why. We want parents, moms, and dads to be able to map together with their kids. We want them to instill this love and literature of the word of God. So we want them to be Bible literate. We want them to love the word of God, to use it, to apply it to their lives and see that it is oxygen, that it is relevant to our that. lives today. And we want them to do it together. So that's why we chose Bibles for the girls ages eight to 12 and also for the adults. We have seven different editions. Um, so we're pretty excited about it. I think this is fantastic. And I, and I love the idea of being able to do that. Our, our daughter just turned nine and I was oh, like, yeah. oh, we're going to get this for her because she is, she's very hungry and she's gone through a lot of her Bibles, particularly the pictorial ones or the ones that yeah. are geared for children. And now she's like, mom, I want a new Bible. And so I'm like, this will be fantastic. Um, now tell me a little bit about um, right now, because here we are, we are in a time that we love to hear the word unprecedented. Mm -hmm. How are you feeding your creativeness right now? Because you have all of these projects, you've got verse mapping coming out, you've got this other book that you're editing. What are you doing to feed yourself creatively right now oh, so that you're staying a, sharp? <laughs> yeah, that's such a great question. Um, a couple of things that I love and I love podcasts. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm a little bit of a history nerd. I'm proud. I mean, I'll just say it. I'm a proud history nerd. So a lot of the podcasts I listen to are history. Good. Uh, so I'm listening to podcasts. I listen to audiobooks. I try to listen to as much preaching as I can because that is not only for me as a writer, it's creativity, it's also encouragement. There have been times of up and down, um, different seasons in my life where I'm discouraged over something or I'm encouraged about something. And I want to try to make sure that I'm continually feeding myself with the right things, with the, the things that are going to fill me up instead of deplete me. Because let me just be honest, we are depleted by our schedules, by busy, mm -hmm. by e-learning with our kids, Somebody save me. Somebody shout out amen if you're amen. in your house and you're listening yes. right now because I'm like, teachers, homeschooling parents, caregivers, y'all are amazing. I keep saying that. Y'all do this every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm just in week three and I'm just about to pull my hair out because 
it, it's difficult. So, so those are, those are good, positive things. I'm also reading a lot. Um, so that's also something that really helps my creativity. For those of your listeners who do feel this, and I always call it like this flicker of a flame. There was this flicker of a flame mm. on my heart that the Lord was telling me, no matter how unrealistic it seemed that I knew nothing about publishing small town, Southern Indiana gal who got B's in English, but the Lord's calling me to write. I had no idea how that was going to happen, <laughs> but that flame was there. Mm. And so it's, if you know that flame to write is there, if you are a writer, you're a reader first, you mm. love story yeah. and you love stories that uplift the Lord. So I encourage you, if you're looking for creative outlets, even if it's not in writing right now, if you sit down and you're like, there's so much going in the world on in the world right now, People are dying. There are people on the front lines of this coronavirus and what we're going through. I just don't feel I've got the creativity to sit down and write. You can read. You can read. You can still stoke that flame in your heart and that love for stories and say, Lord, when you're ready, you're going to draw it out of me. And it's even just, you know, sometimes, Marty, we pray with our hands open. I've done mm. that for years. Mm. It's just, Lord, here I am, and I'm open to whatever you have for me. So for me, the creativity, it's hard with kids and <laughs> yes. you know, it's, yes. it's with the kids being home and we got Netflix and mom, I'm hungry and you know, all of that. And um, my husband blessed his heart because he's working from home as well. So it's just finding the things that are going to build you up instead of mm -hmm. deplete. Mm, I love that. Now we're going to ask you this last question. This is a question that we ask everyone that we interview and it's okay. because we're, we're out of control women, which is surrendered to purpose, changing the world. So I want to know how are you an out of control woman? How are you actively surrendering or will you share with us what you act, you are in the process of actively surrendering right now? Yeah, it's, it's hard because sometimes, oh, y'all are going to find this. Sometimes we authors, we don't know when to pull back and be like, I probably shouldn't have said that. You know, like we <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we're a little too transparent because we're talkers and, and we like to tell stories. And, but I am going to be a little raw and real. And I am going to share that, that what the Lord is teaching me right now is what I said earlier that the definition, especially for those of you who are listening and you are called to be a writer, the definition of who you are is not author, is not writer. That's something the Lord has asked you to do. The definition of who you are is daughter of the King, is child of God, is disciple of Jesus Christ. Those are the, that's, that's who we are. Once you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have surrendered your life to him, we have to be ready and willing, and it's hard, but we have to be willing to lay it down. That's what he is teaching me right now, and it is not easy, and I'm not even sure I'm getting it right. It's a daily thing, but the Holy Spirit is working on my heart saying, you are daughter first over anything else I've asked you to do. This is who you are, and we have to be prepared to lay down everything else that we have, and that's a very difficult thing to do. I wouldn't say I've gotten it right or I'm getting it right, but I am trying with his help. Oh, thank you so much for spending time thank with you. us. And thank you for sharing and just being open. I have to tell you, the transparency is so beautiful. And I just, I love everything that's going on. But thank you so much, especially for just kind of encouraging us, but being honest with us. I, I think that's beautiful. So thank you again. Well, thanks for having me. And if your listeners want to reach me, they can go to christycambron.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-Y-C-A-M-B-R-O-N.com or versemapping.com. Super easy way to find me.
Perfect. And hey, can I, can I say this too? I'm on Instagram. I love yes. Instagram. So yes. Look me up on Instagram. That's where I hang out most of the time. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wasn't that an incredible conversation that we had with Christy? Thanks so much for being with us. If you want to find out more about Christy or to book her or to find out more about her books, you can head to christycameron.com. Or if you want to find out more specifically about her verse mapping series and her up and coming verse mapping Bible, head to versemapping.com. You can find her on all social media and we will drop those links into the show notes. Thanks so much for being part of the Out of Control Women Collective. We are so glad that you're here. Remember, out of control women are surrendered to purpose and changing their world.